Hey everyone, we have a pretty unique episode of the Weviate podcast. Today we welcome Floris Hugenboom, who's built this website using Weviate that organizes information about the Dutch elections. So you ask it questions like, say, highway construction, and it uses the semantic search technology with uh, additional filters across the different parties. And overall, this is a super interesting technology. And in the podcast, we're going to discuss all things from uh, the technical details of how this is constructed, the use of Weviate, semantic search, embeddings, as well as technology like summarization with ChatGPT and uh, multilingual, you know, processing Dutch text. So I really hope you enjoy the podcast. We also conclude with some discussions around uh, bias, especially important for applications like this. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I really hope you check out the website, especially if you're in the Netherlands. Thanks so much for watching. Hey everyone, thank you so much for watching another episode of the WeVA podcast. I'm super excited to welcome Floris to the podcast. Floris is building something super interesting with WeVA and a pretty novel application of WeVA. So Floris, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, nice to be here, Connor. Uh, love it. Awesome. So can you dive right into it and tell us about uh, your project with WeVA? Yeah, sure. Um, um, so this is something that already um, uh, was on my mind and uh, a few other uh, open source fanatics with me. Uh, for a couple of years of doing something um, uh, around parliamentary elections um, and data uh, or AI. <laughs> um, and uh, usually every year uh, we had that idea a month before the election started that we thought, damn it, again too late. Uh, but this time we were, uh, we were in time. And what we uh, have been working on um, is basically a tool that allows users to explore um, uh, party manifestos of the 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 the, uh, uh, the 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 political parties in the dutch parliamentary elections um, um and we do that basically in a sort of two stage first of all we we allow them to explore so find out what's in there but i don't know about you did, did you ever read party manifestos yeah in the u.s it's a bit different but it's a lot of text huh uh, no, me personally, no. For me, and I'm uh, even uh, uh, quite politically engaged in that sense, um, because it's just too much text and, and too much text to make sense of. So what we do on top of that is not only allow searching for those party manifestos, but also allow summarization. Um, so, okay, mm. you type in a statement. I think that um, uh, the Netherlands should invest more in artificial intelligence. Of course I do. Um, um, uh, and it will give you a summary of what each party thinks about that statement you just entered. Hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. The use of the summary thing is so interesting as well. And um so, so I'm very curious about just the kind of sort of the, maybe we could start with the technical requirements, like the kind of developer experience of getting the data into WeVA and like kind of what your experience with that part of it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so so um, uh, I met Bob um, uh, from my uh, daytime profession basically uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, I think uh, way before the investment that you guys had. Um, and it was always on my mind, I want to do something with this software. And um, uh, for me, it um, uh, it really started during Christmas, playing around with it a bit, exploring the API. Um, um, and um, um, basically, it, it was pretty smooth, actually. Um, uh, getting it up and running with, uh, with the Docker files uh, mm -hmm. or the Docker Compose setup uh, uh, you guys provided. Um, um, and basically from that, just build out this idea. And uh, once we get to a point where we thought, hey, this, this might is going to work, uh, I, I reached out to Bob, like, hey, can, can we do a collaboration on this? Because this is, this is cool. This is helping democracy. This is a, uh, AI for good, basically. Um, uh, and then we switched to the WeAviate cloud service. And it was actually a pretty smooth process in, 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 from, from a developer perspective. It, it was pretty hands-off. 
we started locally with a lo nice local setup. And once we had the VAV8 cloud service, um, our, our production setup basically was just, uh, 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 yeah, it, it, it was just changing URLs and, uh, and tokens, basically. Super amazing. Something else I'm really curious to this application is like, how do you feel about the performance of the embedding models? Like when you're doing, are you, how are you evaluating the quality of the search? What does that kind of thing look yeah. like? Yeah. So that, that it, it is of course um, a tricky topic to apply AI in it. Um, and um, um, we have banners all over the website indicating, hey, this might be wrong and this is not <laughs> intended as an advice for you guys to which where, where what you should vote it's only intended to show hey ai in the future might also play a role in this uh, so we're not trying to replace um, 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 any parties you have in the netherlands for example like um, uh, uh, kies compass um, uh, that's basically a site which preps statements um, then allows you to um, uh, to answer uh, to, to answer your own position on the statement and gives you an advice. For us, it's really about showing uh, what AI can do. If you look mm -hmm. at the embeddings, um, we we think the quality is is quite good. Um, we noticed a few things. Um, uh, we're doing this in Dutch, um, mm -hmm. um, so most of the corpus isn't trained uh, uh, on Dutch language, mm -hmm. of course. Still works out pretty decent. Uh, abbreviations, etc. That's where it becomes a bit dif difficult. But what we also did is um, we don't we we ask users to help us a bit. And what we uh, do in that sense is when you enter a statement, we find the three nearest paragraphs in uh, mm. uh, in vector mm. space, um, and then we ask you as a user, hey. We think it, your answer might be in one of those um, uh, in, the, in one of those chapters. Which one do you think matches best? And with that two-stage mm. approach, um, we've been able to get uh, pretty decent results there. So is that two-stage approach like maybe because uh, we have this? We've been thinking about this idea around like we've in this other technology called GBT Index, where they have like a hierarchical summary. So. Are you first searching through a summary of, so I imagine these are these long, uh, like long statements of uh, party preferences. And so you first have these summaries and then which summary you like that takes you then into the document where you then find a more fine grain particular to the party. Is that a correct understanding or? No, no, it's, it's, it's way simpler than that um, right. uh, uh, in that sense. So we, we just index the, um, uh, the sections of, um, so each paragraph of the, um, uh, of the party manifestos. That's also where we evaluate embeddings on. So your short hmm. statement, oh. the embedding of that and the paragraph. But what we do is we don't reserve, return a single result uh, and then say, hey, this is it. But we prompt the user, okay, we found three results. Which, because if you look at these party manifestos, if, if they talk about, for example, trade agreements, yeah, that might mm. be about trade agreements within the European Union, that might be about trade ag agreements with the US, that might be about the Brexit. Um, um, so there's, there's a lot of mm. nuance there. Um, and that's why mm -hmm. we thought, okay, we won't return a single answer, but rather we return the, the three most relevant chapters and then let the user figure out, okay, based on the title of that chapter, I think that this is the one uh, which will answer my statement. And um, uh, that, that also means we, we have to use or help the system a bit to figure out the right, uh, the right answer. Very cool. So it's like, um, so it's like the user interface is designed in a way to collect the data and, um, 
Yeah, so I guess I was a little confused on kind of the understanding the two stage process of that. So once you click it, what it then takes you into the full article. So sort of like a like a web URL in a way. Yeah. So so what happens is uh, you enter your statement. Um, mm-hmm. um, then you say, okay, I wanna uh, I, I I wanna know what this part is. So uh, take for example the the. Uh, uh, the, the Democratic uh, Party in the Netherlands. Uh, mm. um, um, uh, what, what, does, what does it think about this statement? Then we'll give you three options. We'll select a chapter. And from that, it takes you into the full text that we indexed of that chapter um, mm. um, with references to where you can find it on the, um, uh, on the party's website. And... On top of that, we offer you the option then to um, uh, use a, a sort of chat GPT-like model mm. um, uh, to summarize, okay, what does this piece of text say about my statement? Mm. Uh, super cool. Yeah, so so that data from the first uh, search query and then three results, do you use that data to then compare models with each other? Or I'm just curious if, if that kind of yeah, part so of interest. At, at, at the moment, we don't. And that's just purely because of lack of time, because we have all <laughs> kinds of interesting ideas. Also, what you can do, of course, with this, eh? especially <laughs> also those statements uh, that we collect. Uh, <laughs> that's super interesting information to know, hey, what's what's going on uh, in society? Basically, which themes uh, people find interesting? Um, mm. So we collect statistics about uh, each statement, how often it has been searched. There, yeah, we also use We Aviate, of course, because it's free text entry. Uh, and uh, if you search for uh, the Netherlands should leave Europe or the Netherlands should u- use to uh, leave the European Union, you probably probably mean the same. Although the former is factual impossible, um, uh, but um, we we then try also try to do some an- analytics on that by merging similar statements together. See, hey, which which are the themes that pop mm. up? Which are the themes that people find interesting? Uh, what are the parties that people are interested for in those uh, in those teams? So that is basically also the follow up that we'll give to this after the election. Um, uh, not only um, um, uh, helping people figure or uh, yeah uh, scroll through those programs a bit more, uh, but also uh, get some insight into hey what's what's going on? Which are the big themes actually uh, uh, that people find interesting? Yeah, it's amazing. It reminded me of uh, another Dutch uh, scientist who came on the podcast was uh, Martin Grutendorf, and I hope I've got that last name uh, right. Uh, and he, he has this tool called BERT Topic that yeah. I think is super interesting with what you're just describing, where uh, what you do is you uh, cluster all the statements in the vector space, and then you have the vector clusters, and then you do TFIDF on the clusters to have the unique keywords to each of the clusters. So it'd be like, you know, I don't want to start getting into the political topics, <laughs> you know, like, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a super interesting way of uh, discovery. Uh, so another question with respect to WeVA that I was really curious to ask you about was the use of the symbolic filters. So, uh, like, as maybe to set this up, like, I've been playing around with this podcast search progress uh, project. So like, with our conversation right now, I'm going to embed the transcript and put it in like search to it. And you can have symbolic filters, like, uh, you know, where speaker equals uh, you know, Martin Grutendorf, and then I can, and then I ask my question with that symbolic filter. Uh, do you, so how are you thinking about like kind of the extra metadata that goes around the text and that kind of thinking? I think for, for us, that's super important. Eh? So what we do is we store all paragraphs basically in, in one big index, but we also st- store that with the information like, okay, which party said that? 
um, what is the chapter, um, uh, uh, the chapter mm -hmm. here? Um, mm -hmm. And we're thinking in the future, maybe we want to uh, enhance our search, but also uh, adding some some common themes like, hey, this is sort of keywords that we uh, uh, that we see there. Um, mm -hmm. But what we do is you if you retrieve information from a single party, we do use those filters to only do the, the filter before search, basically. Uh, mm. I think you guys call it. Um, 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 and we first filter, okay, which the party that we're interested in. And subsequently, mm. subsequently we, we then use the, um, uh, the embedding index, the vector index, basically, to figure out, okay, which um, um, paragraphs of this party are, uh, are interesting. Um, 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 so that does limit us in, for example, um, um, we ca we can't yet use the hybrid search, which combines mm. a, a sparse and, and and dense vector search, which would be, I think, an enormous performance improvement for a lot of the things, because um, a lot of mm. keywords that probably now aren't in the in the in the vocabulary of our uh, embeddings or aren't that common in that sense, like um, uh, in in, the, in Dutch you got an abbreviation; it's called uh, AOW, uh, which is uh, for for pension uh, basically. Mm. Uh, and it is something, yeah, if you search up on it and you do the embedding, just purely dense, uh, dense comparison, you probably won't find it because uh, it's, it's so rare in that corpus that those embeddings don't, um, uh, don't really pick it up. So we're still uh, hoping that at a certain point we might be able to use the hybrid search or with the dense search combined with filters because uh, uh, we think that will be uh, will uh, enable us to give way more relevant results than we're, uh, we're already doing now and maybe even get rid of that two-stage approach and yeah? having users <laughs> select their own uh, paragraph there hmm. yeah that's super cool and that idea of like the, the thinking around how do you add the aow token to a dense embedding model i find to be very interesting like whether you can just kind of add a new token to the vocabulary and just do a little bit of fine tuning on these, uh, you know, on these texts and whether that can correct it. But yeah, the hybrid search and the hybrid search adding the where filters, the uh, Weaviate 118 feature that I hope people are interested oh, okay. in. <laughs> looking forward, looking forward. Uh, so, so one other question I wanted to ask about, and I've been thinking a lot about the role of like potentially cross encoder re-ranking in Weaviate, where basically you search and then you have this high capacity scoring model that re-ranks the results. Uh, but the trade-off is sort of speed, and I'm curious, like, with your application, how important do you think speed is to the user experience of search? Um, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I tend to say it's super important, but I think for, for our application, um, the bottleneck also isn't, um, uh, isn't we aviate, because if you look at the size of our index, um, it's pretty small. Like the, the average party manifesto is, I think, 200, uh, 200 pages, um, embedding that in paragraphs. So I think that if we if we have um, like five thousand objects in in that vector space, then then hmm. uh, it's already a lot <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> um, so the bottleneck for us is really computing those embeddings. Um, hmm. um, I, I haven't tried we aviate on a, uh, on, a on a larger. Uh, section has so something that we're now thinking about is what would be really cool is if you can use this technology on uh, not transcripts of this podcast, it would also be pretty cool, <laughs> color, but uh, on transcripts of what happens in Parliament. Mm -hmm. um, what does your elected representative really say in Parliament after he's elected uh, <laughs> about the teams that are important? And I think that is something where I even feel that that 
if you talk about um, uh, AI for good, AI helping democracy, um, that that I would love to see where this is going, and then also explore how how that how that index grows with because that's way more data than we're processing now, um, because that takes out the role of of colored media basically um, uh, uh, and really makes it factual. Okay, what 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 was said uh, about this team? Uh, not how did we frame it uh, in the media, but what was said uh, about it and. Um, I think that is an interesting role where this technology can help really for uh, um, um, yeah, making democracy more transparent in that sense. Yeah, it's, it's a super, a super impactful application, I think. And um, yeah, sort of this truthful thing inspired me to start thinking a little bit more about the idea of the chat GBT summarization. And there's kind of this idea of like uh, adding prompts that say, please cite your sources or something like that. So uh, when you're, you know, you've come into the text and now you're using the summarization model, do you, how do you think about then citing the sources with the summary that's produced? Yeah. So um, it's it's something we've been debating a lot of whether we want that chat GPT summary in there, or we would say, well, we, we now just stick with finding the right paragraph because mm-hmm. that's factual and that chat GPT is something that can go berserk, <laughs> eh? that can hallucinate uh, uh, a bit. Um, we opted for doing it, um, mainly because our goal now is not um, to um, have the most factual platform, but rather to, to showcase, hey, at this moment, the technology is not there, but this is what AI will be doing for you in the, uh, uh, in the future. So that's also how we communicate about this. We'll, we'll never say where we have 100% the right answer. Everything is filled with banners. Hey, this might be wrong. If you mm-hmm. really want the true answer, look look at the paragraph, mm-hmm. uh, read it. Um, uh, um, um, but it is something that we also put a lot of effort into in, in figuring out, okay, um, what kind of prompt um, do we ask uh, 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 ChatGPT there? Eh? And something that we found out that works really nice, nicely, I think we've seen this, those examples of ChatGPT going wrong. Eh? Like, okay, what is... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, with, with those riddles, basically. Um, um, Bob's <laughs> brother is called uh, blah, 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 and his mother is <laughs> this, and then ChatGPT confidently giving the wrong answer. But what is interesting, if you ask ChatGPT not to give you the answer, but to give you the reasoning, why why mm. will you come up with the, those answers? You generally get better results. So that prompt engineering, um, where we ask ChatGPT, hey, what does this source think about this statement? And please cite the sentences that made you come to these conclusions. And if there aren't any relevant sentences, uh, indicate that you can't give the answer. That kind of prompts uh, helped us to get this to a level where at least we think, okay, it's good enough for this demo, um, and um, uh, th- this is this is not not hard science, eh? Uh, compared with this, but in our in our tests, um, uh, out of hundred statements, we had one where we thought, hey, this this might not mm-hmm. be uh, the proper uh, proper result there. Um, so, not there yet, but uh, interesting to showcase. There's a couple of things, maybe quickly on the idea of the prompting. Um, One of the the examples, Erica recently published a Langchain V8 demo. And uh, one of the first examples was this, uh, you know, it answers a question and then you follow up by taking the answer as input and saying, what were the assumptions you made when answering this question? And then like that is the input to, based on these assumptions, do you still agree with this answer? And 
this kind of chaining and the ability of that particular way to reduce hallucination is really interesting. Um, but then you ended with saying something that really got my interest. Um, so, so you're looking at the summaries from ChatGPT and annotating, uh, you know, is this a hallucination? Yeah, so so um, and and we don't do this uh, large scale, eh? um, mm-hmm. but we thought before we feel confidently enough um, um, uh, to to put this out in the open. Basically, <laughs> we want to have an, an idea of the quality. So what we did, we um, uh, prepped a set of uh, around fifty statements, um, uh, got the results from the whole chain. Um, mm. Um, uh, what what would be the output of that summary and then labeled that hey do we think this is uh, uh, okay uh, or do we think this is completely uh, uh, completely off but once again that's really a qualitative answer to a very difficult mm-hmm. question uh, I think mm-hmm. yeah I've been so I, they have these kind of like quantitative abstractive summarization metrics like the rouge score or blue score these are they're basically like n-gram overlap metrics compared to some ground truth summary of the thing so in like it, let's say you're summarizing like a scientific paper you could use like the abstract is kind of like that ground truth and compare these metrics is there any kind of like ground truth summary from one of these statements that that you, and then i guess that would be one question, but maybe the bigger question is from your use case perspective, would those metrics be interesting to you as a way to kind of ablate the prompts, ablate the chains, ablate like the way that it's doing the summer? Yeah, I, I, I don't know enough about those metrics to really judge that, uh, I need to admit. Um, um, but what would be very interesting for us, eh, and that's, that's also mm-hmm. something that we will be looking at in, into the future. Like, like I said, we have those election aids, basically, um, mm. which are tools that had people read through all those programs, then position parties on, um, uh, uh, on, on a set of statements. Do they agree with it? Do they partially agree with it? Do they disagree with this? Um, and they do that in a really scientific manner, mm. um, uh, which is a sort of peer review. The parties themselves review it. And there's a lot of trust building that goes into uh, mm. uh, into that. Um, what would be very interesting, of course, also once this technology progresses, eh, um, to seek a sort of a hybrid form between that, um, so where we've uh, put a lot of effort into placing those parties, knowing what they think, knowing what the conclusion should be, and this and more open-ended, uh, mm. uh, okay, what, what do we generate as those uh, uh, as those conclusions? So that might be something for, uh, in Europe, we have the European elections coming up uh, next year, uh, which is, by the way, a very interesting case because they're still debating whether you can also vote for parties from other European countries. Um, 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 and why that's interesting because then also the language aspect comes into play of course <laughs> mm. uh, but that might be something where at a certain point we hope that technology might have evolved then and where we can try things like this uh, uh, can try things like this out uh, a bit more yeah the the language jump is something that I, th- I think is an extremely emerging topic of this technology um, like for example we've been working with Cohere's multilingual embedding models and these, these are like really good embeddings for m- multilingual and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm curious. Well, maybe staying on the summarization thing, do you, like Hugging Face had this model called Bloom, which was like a multilingual language model. And I'm just curious if maybe in addition to ChatGPT, if you've tried some of these other large language models that maybe have been trained on Dutch and are then better at it. No, not 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 yet. And that that would be really something that um, 
if, if we would go that route eh, of that European elections uh, mm. by the time, that would, of course, be very interesting to explore because then you get party manifestos that might be in French, but <laughs> a German <laughs> citizen can vote for a French party. Uh, but mm. I'm pretty sure he wants to know before he casts his vote <laughs> on uh, what, what's in that manifesto then. So then you're not only getting Dutch results in that sense, but um, uh, you're you're searching for a statement in Dutch or in, in German, maybe. Um, you're getting a result in French um, uh, uh, and then summarizing it again uh, towards, uh, 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 towards German or Dutch or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure about whether I would dare that with the current quality, uh, but it is an interesting chain of thought, basically, how this, this can also help yeah, make, um, uh, make a lot of sources that aren't in your native language searchable and, and, hmm. and easier, easier to explore, basically. Yeah, it's so interesting. And when I was talking to Nils Reimers from Cohere about this, he had mentioned that uh, like one approach would be like you take the German and French and you translate it back to English, and then and then you kind of can just have it all in English, where where like the model has, you know. But then he he described that there are these things like um, that, that then you get a very like U.S. centric view of the world. Like if you translate, how do I do my uh, taxes in Germany back to English? It like doesn't really work like that. So would you think about fine tuning one of these language models on your uh on like on your texts? Is another idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it it is something we now thought about of for for the, the, these embeddings. We we didn't do that because sheer lack of time and uh, uh, resources uh, basically. Mm. Um, um um but I'm not sure how that would work with with translations basically, yeah? Um because I think that that's where the big challenge is. Um if you if you read political text, it's all about nuances. It's 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 mm. not about the general theme, but it's about the tone of voice in certain. Um, and I think factual translation is one, but also translating these things like okay, how does this sound? How does this feel? Uh, which are pretty important actually for getting the meaning of uh, uh, of something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure if if the technology will be there, uh, will be there yet. And if you would then do fine tuning, then you need to have a translated party manifesto there, where you also want probably have that reviewed. Eh? Um, so I think that that would be a lot of effort, basically. Um, I'm not saying it can't be done. Um, I'm not saying it, it will not be done in the future, but I don't <laughs> think it's it's uh, we're we're there yet. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point you bring up on um, like. Embeddings can capture different kinds of relationships. So like the, yeah, like the factual relationship or the tone relationship. I think about it this a lot as well. There's, there are these papers that are coming out like task aware retrieval with instructions and instructor where basically the embeddings, it like depends on the, they like add intent. It's almost like prompting for embeddings as well, where uh, you say like, if you're searching for stack overflow, like you might say, I'm searching for another question compared to I'm searching for the answer directly. But yeah, this kind of like, embeddings being able to capture different kinds of meanings. Uh, but I guess I was actually curious about the idea of fine tuning the language model rather than the embeddings. Um, like, like, cause I think with the summarization or like just the idea of continuing the language modeling on the Dutch text, would that kind of thing sound like something that would be useful for this case? Like I'm thinking about trying to improve that summarization model. Yeah. Um, it, it, it might be, um, it is something we thought about, um, 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 again, uh, did, did, didn't do it uh, uh, yet, but uh, if, if, 
somebody's listening who's, who's happy to contribute uh, work. We're still looking for a lot of volunteers to help this uh, thing out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. What it, what it would what it would do um, with basically doesn't it get too colored in that sense? And it also it depends, I think, on on how you how you train it, what kind of um, mm-hmm. um, and if you look at those party manifestos, they all have a very different tone uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But also the corpus isn't that large. So I'm I'm really curious. Okay, will you get a sort of average political tone from mm-hmm. uh, from from that? Um, and what that would do with the readability of your summaries? W- will they be very politically like uh, long mm. sentences, uh, hard to read? Because mm-hmm. what I like now, and what's I think strength of this is that it also translates it to a pretty neutral language. And mm. I'm I'm curious, will you keep that neutral language? Um, um, if you would, if you would fine tune, um, and it depends on how, uh, the, the, ex- the, 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 the extent to which you fine tune it. Eh? But if you would fine tune based on um, 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 these manifestos, M- maybe, maybe if you would fine tune it based on manifestos and media coverage of the elections, etc. I think that would be a more interesting concept to me. Like also take newspaper articles, take what's written online, take transcripts of. Um, um, uh, of debates, uh, etc. If you if you collect a corpus like that, I think this might this might work. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it, that that it's really inspiring me to think about the whole like because the role of bias in language models is something that's brought up a lot, and this application particularly is, <laughs> seems pretty important for that. And yeah, I almost think like maybe the user interface, like you type in a you know the question, and then it should have like. I don't know, the view is like statement from each of the parties rather than like just like a ranked list, how we're used to seeing search results. But yeah, how do you think about that kind of bias in this problem? Yeah, I, th- I think it is a huge issue. Eh? Um, um, I, I don't think we have any idea to which extent uh, uh, that issue is is here. So I think that's one, one of the big factors why, why I also... Um, um, Everywhere I, I talk about this, uh, whether it's, it's on, uh, tomorrow will be on, on national radio, basically, and um, uh, everywhere I say this is not intended as <laughs> election advice. <laughs> this is intended to showcase what the technology uh, mm. uh, can do and will be able to uh, do. And in the future, uh, it might be uh, 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 might be a bit of advice. We talked about collecting user feedback there. Huh? Um, uh, on okay, what what what? Um, how how does this summary sound to you? Um, mm. um, uh, do you think this summary agrees with the view of the party uh, that is stated? Here? Mm-hmm. But we were a bit afraid for um, um, uh, basically data pollution there of of people who enter a statement, uh, uh, look it up for the party they will never vote on, and then uh, click, no, this is this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, not <laughs> answering the question that was there, but <laughs> rather expressing their political opinion uh, yeah. uh, uh, opinion there. So we, we didn't do that, um, but it would be really interesting to also have this in a sort of controlled setting where um, we really have guidelines on, okay, how, how do we label these things? Eh? And um, uh, how, how do we identify bias? But that's, um, uh, that is something that takes a way more or takes a way different expertise, I think, than only the tech expertise we have here, but mm-hmm. then also uh, 
requires expertise from um, um, political sciences or, for example, a collaboration like I just mentioned with one of those election aides in the Netherlands that have a whole process of uh, getting from these manifestos to uh, positions on uh, on statement. But it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about this uh, mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I mean, the, the role of... I mean, it, yeah... I really have too I don't have too much expertise on bias in the whole thing but yeah it's like there's obviously this amazing technology of you know we can now semantically search through all the everything written every conversation all that and then there's like the well is the search embeddings or the language language model like biased towards one political view and therefore it's going to kind of only match the results that match the underlying model and I think like kind of the you know the auditing tools that you know people like you who are building these applications, I think all that will be really important. So, so yeah, cool. I mean, it's, it, but it is super exciting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's also on, on, on how you define bias, eh? Because I, I sometimes yeah. have these discussions professionally, like uh, <laughs> bias-free ML, but basically the reason why certain ML works is because it's, it's biased, only it's biased on... Uh, attributes we hmm. uh, think it's okay to be biased on. It's 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 biased on a certain feature uh, <laughs> that that uh, <laughs> gives it gives it the power. So it's also a whole discussion like okay, what what do we find acceptable there? Eh? And if this, for example, would would be have the same bias as any newspaper, um, uh, uh, because I'm I'm not advocating here uh, against all, all media, <laughs> absolutely not, but. <laughs> Every news outlet, of course, has some form of bias in it, mm -hmm. um, sometimes more profound than, than other times. Um, um, but that's something we generally think is, is okay, or at least mm -hmm. in, in certain parts of society agree on that. That, that, is, that is a sort of a sort, yeah, the rep representation of the truth. So it's, it's really interesting to think about, okay, um, how does bias affect this, and when when is that an issue uh, in that sense? But that's a more societal discussion, I think, than it is a technological uh, uh, one, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's like a hand in hand thing. I think from the technology perspective, I can maybe speak a little bit about uh, in machine learning. There's this problem called class imbalance, where you know, just from the basic classifier sense, if you're classifying cats and dogs, and your data set is eighty percent dogs and twenty percent cats, you know, it's gonna it's can be really biased at predicting dogs and that's like and that is especially a problem with like you know like medical patient outcome prediction where it's like usually the patient survives but like sometimes they expire in the window and then you have this like bias so you use like you know precision recall f-score metrics things like that but so like even in the contrastive learning embedding learning if most of the texts have this one political view it's more likely to match the query and the optimization objective and therefore it's less likely to like you know if you have this like radical new idea <laughs> it's less likely to match that just because it's less likely in the training set just from the technical perspective that's how i can see that yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. An it's an interesting topic and it's it's a topic that um i, I don't i don't think we fully covered uh <laughs> yet that as a as a tech community but also as a as a society and eh? what 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 do we find acceptable and i always make the example also of um if, if, if people professionally talk to me about bias in ML, uh, then I also always refer to the Dutch pension scheme eh, where um, everybody pays a certain, uh, the same amount. And from a, from a fixed age, you get uh, the same pension. But I pay the same amount as, as women. I'm not advocating that, that we should do this differently, <laughs> but just to illustrate how difficult it, mm -hmm. it, it is. 
Although uh, women have a, a, a longer life expectancy uh, of, of around three years. Um, so you might say, well, it's, it's, if you talk about fairness, yeah, is it, is it fair that uh, men statistically live shorter, uh, but hence relatively pay more for their pension scheme? Um, and I think this is something where we as a society say, ah, that's, that's not an issue. And if, uh, probably people will be laughing at me now for, for bringing this up. But it's really about what do you define as bias and what do you accept as, as, as bias and unfairness, uh, et cetera, your algorithms, rather than it is a technical discussion, like how do we make um, our, our features orthogonal or how do we make, yeah, that's, that's a means to an end, but that still then is, okay, what, what do I ex accept as uh, 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 things where, where it can be biased? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's such an interesting uh, application of the technology. I can see like, um, you know, like if we say like the extractive question answering models that classify the answer within the context that has a low risk of bias, I think, because it's kind of like grounded in it. Whereas like the chat GPT to like summarize or like chat with you based on like the one application is you turn chat. Obviously, it is a chat bot to begin with. And, and you retrieve to have it supplement its context as you chat with it. And it might probably like the political bias of chat GPT might come into play as it's reading that retrieved context and telling and speaking with you. So I imagine that as well as I imagine just kind of search results in general, sort of, yeah, I kind of like that idea of the user interface that takes you to each of the views rather than just like a ranked list, just <laughs> thinking about it for the first time, but like that kind of way. And yeah, so Floris is super interesting speaking with you. I, you're working on a super interesting problem and it's such an exciting application of the technology. So thank you so much for joining the podcast and for, you know, discussing these ideas with me. Yeah, cool. Glad, uh, glad to be here and uh, nice talking, Connor.